and welcome back to Iterators of the Imperium Season 4. As you can see, Mez is still away, moving house and whatnot, or whatever the hell he's doing. He might actually just be on holiday at this point, I really am not keeping up to date with it. All I know is he's not here. So, we are going to continue our friendly little chats about whatever we see fit. Uh, we have a bit more of a structured kind of uh, idea this time. <laughs> Uh, since last time was kind of just a random chat about whatever came up. <laughs> so we've got a few kind of topics to discuss this time. Uh, so it seemed like we were wanting to discuss uh, chapter masters first. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, before we get into the kind of, the bulk of that, I actually had a little question for you. I was just curious, because we're specifically wanting to talk about the kind of current day chapter masters, I guess. Yes. I was wondering... Of all the chapter masters there have ever been, so, you know, anyone taking over after a Primarch, who do yeah. you think is your favourite? Big question. Well, there, there, there. <laughs> like, my, my, my first thoughts are the, which are the most prominent right now in my mind. So, of course, um, instant... Uh, Names that are instantly popping up uh, are Dante of the Blood Angels. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Sigismund of the Imperial Fists. Um, it's Rogue Grimna of the Space Wolves. Mm. And or actually also of the Space Wolf, it's... Um, how is he pronounced or called? Bjorn? Bjorn the Fellhanded. Yeah, ec exactly. Yeah. And just let me think. I think also... Um, Tyros um, Bloodwake is he called of the Karadons and uh, Assyrian yeah. Moloch of the Minotaurs are also uh, candidates for it. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't call I, Moloch the best or one of the good ones, but he's definitely cool. <laughs> he's also an evil bastard, but he's cool. <laughs> well, good. It's uh, of course uh, not to dis discuss, but best <laughs> kinda. Um, but. Yeah. Uh, then again, it come it all comes down to uh, what are the uh, definitions or qualities uh, which you which you could uh, um, uh, connect you to regarding who is best. It's uh, always, what criteria are we judging yeah, by here? Exactly. So, like combat wise, or intelligence wise, or yeah. like social skills wise. Uh, like I that, don't. Yeah. I don't even know where to start with social skills. Jesus. <laughs> Well, there you could um, put the, like, Ultramarines into it. Like, um, I don't, good, I don't think Marnius Kalgar has much in the way of social skills. <laughs> well, yeah, but more so than Asterian Moloch. <laughs> fair point, say. fair point, yeah. I suppose yeah. It, you've got to keep mm. in mind the uh, the sheer lack of social skills right across the board. <laughs> I think I, w I would go with Dante, uh, because, like... To this point, I think he... How old is he right now? Is he like 1,500 or something like that? 1,500 years? No, I, I think he's past the 1,100. I think he's past 1,100 years now. Which like, is quite insane. He is definitely the oldest living chapter master. Yes, that, yeah. that is true. Um, of course, you could argue a little bit because of Bjorn the Fellhanded, but he's not a chapter master anymore. Um, no. He was, he was a former was. chapter master, and also like he's a dreadnought. So. I'm also <laughs> relatively sure he's dead now. No. 
Yeah, he's I think dead. I, I think are, he are does. Are we talking about the same one? Yeah, like, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure he like gives his life to take out Magnus. At what point? I think it's War of the Fang. Or so, I, I think no, it's no, a no, 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 no. Uh, in War of the Fang, it's like uh, what is it, the thirty seventh or thirty fourth? Yeah, something or like that. Yeah, I think it's the thirty second actually, the second second millennium or something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there he battles uh, like also one of the. So in War of the Fangs, uh, Magnus is invading Fenris to to take revenge on it, um, to to make a clean cut for himself. Actually, I think he yeah. says it. He, he isn't that much into the revenge thing, but he thinks his uh, his sons, so his uh, form the the former thousand sons, the former loyal former thousand sons. Um, they they have to to make a clean cut and thus uh, invade uh, Fenris. Which are actually, which is, I think, the only, all, yeah, the, it was the first successful time of invading Fenris and the yeah. Fang. I think the second one is actually also done by, by Magnus and his Thousand Sons, uh, but that is rather Yeah, they late, attack a few uh, times, because the second it, time is, that this, is it a Njal that basically fends them off. Yeah. Yeah. And in the first time, like Magnus battled with, um, like, uh, uh, one of the. Oh, it's the, 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 the Grey wolf. wolf. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The Grey Wolf, which is one of the yards. He yeah. battles with is the, <laughs> the one no um, one likes. <laughs> e yeah. Yeah, and Yorn <laughs> gets kind, of, kind of an outsider. And yeah. also with the Chapter Master, the, the current Great Wolf, then. And also with Bjorn. And, uh, oh, yes, because the whole point of the War of the Fang is to stop a, to stop them curing the Wolfen curse, isn't it? At least it is for Magnus to yeah. some extent, yes. Um, uh, no, Bjorn yeah. definitely survives that, you're right, because yeah. he also goes back to Fenris in that return, sorry, back to Prospero in that return to Prospero one where they find the rest of the Lost Company. And he is uh, present when Gilliman uh, visits Fenris in, uh, the, during the Indomitus Crusade to, uh, to count yeah. with, uh. with Logan Grimner. So I don't know where I got in my head that he died. <laughs> Maybe he well, almost died. I, I mean, <laughs> it's 40k. It's not that, <laughs> that surprising. Well, everyone almost dies. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would I would say with Dante because of his deeds and he's He's like badass, and I also like the approach which uh, Guy Haley did in his uh, supposed trilogy uh, with Dante, uh, Devastation mm. of Baal, and Darkness in the Blood, because we get to see uh, the facade or the the, the him, his true self behind this glorious figure yeah. uh, of of Dante, because uh, he himself says that um, anytime someone approaches Dante, he sees not Dante as a person, but um, his um his persona yes exactly and he's always connected to uh, the death image of uh, of the sanguine mask mask helm which he wears all yeah. the time uh, but nobody actually sees the face behind that mask because um, he's he's so old that one can actually see that a space marine um ages which yeah. is something one doesn't want to see because uh, that destroys that image of that of the superhuman beings, uh, the protectors of humanity, the angels yeah. of death. 
and uh, Dante is so old that he uh, has grown thin, that he has um, his once golden hair is um, has gone white, and uh, he is so um, his cheeks are sunken in, yeah. and he he looks his age. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, that idea of uh, make God bleed, and people will stop believing in him. Like if if they see exactly. the weakness, then they won't. Like yeah. people won't, you know, respect it. Basically, they won't fear it. Yeah, and um, he's for all the time. He's also that tired, and he he yeah. punishes himself. Um, so by not drinking blood. So the first yeah. time he drinks blood, like for for one hundred or two hundred years, which is something the blood angels like they do not have to do it, but it. Um, also deprives them of their combat prowess if they yeah. do not drink blood um, regular uh, because they, they, their insects become slower and also the the, um, the thirst for blood uh, rises the more yeah. you, you go against it. And uh, Dante has warned to himself to not ever do it again because he do not want to to yeah be connected to to that kind of grave image which is uh, connected to it and uh, he does it during the devastation of Baal because his um, loyal chapter serf his personal chapter serf um, sacrifice, uh, sacrifices his uh, his life so mm -hmm. that Dante can um, bleed from his blood and do not have an excuse for not doing so because yeah. already his life would be wasted yeah. And um, we can see that uh, he's really torn between uh, in him, in himself for for doing it, uh, but he actually needed he needed that that kind of um, um, that kind of power to 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 best uh, the the high fleet during the devastation of Baal. And yeah. uh, which I'm all actually also kind of happy because um, during the Tudor trilogy and in the last book, Darkness and the Blood, he um, isn't really um, sure to to cross a Rubicon to be hmm. uh, to get Primaris. And but um, well, he kind of just wants it to be over at that point, doesn't he? Yeah, ex ex exactly. He just wants to die because he has done so much during his life, and yeah, he wants he's to lived too long. Yeah, and you do not want to to have that burden anymore. Yeah, which is kind of ironic because <laughs> at the end of Devastation of Baal, Gilliman promotes him to being the Lord Commander of uh, the whole Empire Im Im Imperium Nihilus. Yeah, <laughs> Warden <laughs> of Imperium Nihilus. Yeah, which is an even greater burden um, instead of <laughs> yeah. leading the famous Blood Angel chapter. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's that's kind of heavy. Uh, but during the Arcs of Ohm campaign, he has finally crossed the Rubicon. So he's now mm. Primaris. He maybe he has, um, yeah, convinced himself to do it, and uh, that that's nice. Yeah, and and I actually think that any because it's it's uh, Games Workshop still. So any um, famous Warhammer 40k. Um, any living Warhammer 40k <laughs> space marine is going to to be primaris to some yeah. extent in the future. So I haven't not I've not heard or seen a, a miniature of like a Rogue Grimlock, for example. But I'm yeah. sure he also is going to cross the just a matter of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
Personally, my only issue with Dante, because I, I love Dante as a character, my only yeah. issue with him is that he definitely has the worst name of all the chapter masters. And okay. not necessarily Dante, because obviously he's named after like the old uh, poet that wrote the Divine Comedy and all that, which yeah, is yeah. a great name. But that's not his real name. His real name is Lewis, and that is a terrible name for a space marine. Yeah, it's it's soft. Isn't <laughs> yeah, <it>? right. <laughs> like Dante is uh, his angelic name, but Lewis yeah. is his, his uh, birth name. Yeah. Although, interestingly, uh, Blood Angels are not typically named after angels. Dark Angels are. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, uh, Israel and... Uh, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> what are some other ones? Guess any I'm angel a, name, I, uh, man. You'll be right. <laughs> you, yeah, you can just add uh, an A-E-L at, at the end of a name and you pretty much have a Dark Angels name. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Azrael is one of these one of these characters that I've heard mentioned a million times in different books, and I've never bothered to read about him personally. So I just Same. know nothing about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, he I turns knew, up uh, everywhere. I knew a little bit of Azrael because I've read at least one book where he's featured like um Pandorux, um which ah, is right. about the the Grey Knights, the Dark Angels and uh, the Kata, what was what is the faction called or pronounced? Katachans? Katachan, yeah. Yeah, Katachan. And it's great, uh, by the way. Um, I do like my Katachans. Yes, I've, uh, I like them because of the book. Because ah, they're okay. <laughs> ah. and, I, I, I like them because, of the, because they're all just based off Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> they're exactly. all nuts and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> And um, also, I've read about him during the uh, Arcs of Ohm campaign. And the the biggest disadvantage or point of dislike for me is because, which is connected to the whole chapter of the Dark Angels, their secrecy. Mm. They are so mis mistrusting um, to towards any other faction, imperial faction or otherwise. Yeah. Um, that 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 is kind of unnerving because they always pursue the, the, the secret agenda to to eradicate any um, any hints uh, that they have become traitor to some extent during the Horus Heresy yeah. that, uh, that that defines their whole um, chapter. Uh, yeah, they've just their whole became identity. shrouded in secrecy to try and mm -hmm. defend themselves from a threat that isn't really there. I really love paranoia really more than anything. <laughs> yeah, and I really love the thirty k Dark Angels because they have a different kind of secrecy because they have to do the deeds that not even the space wolves can do uh, at this point of time because they are like the the well the space wolves are like the executioners of the emperor during the Horus Heresy or the Great Crusade yeah. era, and the Dark Angels are like. The, the secret weapon or not like the secret weapon but they have to do something which other legions cannot even imagine to do so I, I they feel have like to... uh, I feel like a good way to think about it is that back in like 30k the dark angels filled the role that the grey knights fill nowadays 
which is basically just anything that no one else knows how to handle, we'll just send these guys right and they'll figure it out. Yeah, plus the role of the uh, Death Watch, I would say. Or rather, yeah. more the role of the Death Watch than the, uh, than the Grey Knights, because the Grey Knights yeah, are experts point. in uh, in battling chaos, which isn't yeah. that relevant during the uh, Great Crusade. Yeah, fair yeah. point. Yeah, so probably more and Death I'm Watch. Also, I would also struggle with calling it a secret weapon, because uh, that is the Alpha Legion. Well, yeah, but I don't think the Alpha Legion even know that. <laughs> it's an issue with Alpha Legion. I don't think they even know what they're doing. Have you read the the Alpharius book? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Um, that that is great in also um, getting to know the role of the Alpha Legion during the Great Crusade. Ah, okay, right. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll need to get around to it at some point. But uh, uh, I would say let's get back to the question and uh, ask it yourself. What like what is your current favorite uh, chapter master of forty k? If we're talking modern day. Unfortunately, I think I share your opinion of it being Dante. Oh, you are right. That's what was your. That wasn't your original question. Like your question wasn't um, current. It was to overall the, to the current timeline. Yeah, it was overall. Like, what is your overall? Oh, uh, overall, master? it is Maximus Thane. Okay. Yeah. Maximus yeah. Thane is one of the coolest guys that have ever existed in 40k. So, for anyone that doesn't know, back during the War of the Beast, obviously the last wall protocol was enacted and all the Imperial Fist chapters got back together to defend Terra. And there is a point where the current leader of the Imperial Fist ends up the last Imperial Fist standing... And when he dies, he passes on the title to Maximus Thane, who is the chapter master of one of the other current uh, successor chapters. So he becomes the chapter master of the Imperial Fist and the last living Imperial Fist. And then he forces all the other chapters to give him part of their chapter to rebuild the original Legion. Uh, I'm pretty sure he, because he gets some from the Black Templars, he has to like censor the captain because he starts making like the Eighth Company all bl uh, all Black Templary. He's like, no, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> You're not a Black Templar anymore. No more being religious. Uh, and then he goes and murders the beast. Then gets promoted to a Lord Commander of the Imperium, which is an incredible title for a Space Marine to hold, being that it's only been Primarchs otherwise. Yes. Yeah. Like, it, it it has only been... I think, isn't at Dawn also for the time... During the time of the Horus Heresy. Not the Great Crusade, but the Horus Heresy. Isn't yeah. he also, like, Lord Commander of the Imperium? He was the first Lord Commander. Uh, yeah. After because the Emperor was not, abdicated his throne for the whole like the, fucking Horus thing. Like the, he's like the loyal war master. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, or actually, he was more of like the opposite of Horus in a way. Of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, they they were they like stood as two polar opposites to each other. But I guess it was more than anything because he ran the defenses for the for the uh, for the palace. palace. Yeah. yeah. 
So he ended up being the Lord Commander, and then he shortly after passes the title on to Gilliman because yeah. Dor knows, or everyone knows Gilliman's going to be better at organizing the rebuilding effort. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dorne's like, look, I'll build whatever you want, but like, I shouldn't be giving the orders on what we're building when. That's not going to go well. <laughs> we'll end yeah. up with a big wall around Terra and nothing else. I think uh, that's uh, yeah, that's a good, a pretty good example for for um, not only uh, a chapter master but someone who is also his right to to be someone's favorite. Yeah, because uh, Lord Commander is it's <laughs> it's like we have got two Lord Commanders, haven't we? Like we have Lord Lord Commander uh, Maximus Sane, and we've also got like Lord Commander of Imperium Nihilus, Dante. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Uh, you also, interestingly, Thane is also the guy who killed Van Gorick, the the old leader of the Assassinorum, the one that turned vaguely yeah. evil. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And interestingly, the last thing that Van Gorick says to Thane to try and, like, you know, make him not murder him is, yeah. uh, would you like to know how, uh, oh God, what is his name? The Night Haunter. Oh, Connor Crust. Yeah, it, the last thing he says to him, like to Thane, to try and stop him from killing him, is he asks him if he wants to know how Conrad Courage died. And then Thane just kills him anyway. <laughs> well, Van Gorick, it was Van Gorick's guys that killed him. Yeah, yeah, but like, why is it interesting for Maximus saying how Conrad Curse died? Because no one knows. To, to this day, we realistically, we actually don't know how Conrad Curse actually died. But isn't it videotaped? Uh, no, the tape shows the assassin approaching him and then I believe the actual killing takes place off camera or the footage corrupts or something briefly and then you just see the assassin leaving. Basically, right. there is a tape that proves that the events occurred but not that he actually was killed. So that's why people still make the kind of background joke that technically he could still be alive but like there's okay. also i'm pretty sure dorn's run around with one hand now and stuff like that like they always do this stuff they, they never actually tie off like a primarch's death with a neat little bow there's always some bullshit around it yeah like it would be kind of sad if dawn would actually be dead because i would love to see him uh yeah reawaken or, or come back to the modern line, like the, the uh, like um, Lionel Johnson or Gilliman. Yeah. But it stands so ugly because, like, he lost his hand. <laughs> Aren't, uh, out of curiosity, Aaron um, Ferris Manus's hands a relic of the Iron Hands? Like, don't they literally have his hand somewhere? I'm not sure about that, haven't heard it. I I feel like I read that somewhere that they just have his hands as a relic of the chapter, and I'm like maybe they'll just give one to Dorn when he comes back. Like, oh, you need a hand here. Have this. I think I've heard that they have got their head, uh, his head, but I'm not sure. I thought about Fulgrim it. I think they, took they... the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, okay. but at some point, like um, oh, they reclaimed it. Also... it. Yeah, yeah, and and Horus got it. Um, oh yeah, like, sorry, because uh, he trades it to him as like a sign of respect. Like yeah, I'm on your exactly side like, now. Here's my devotion. Yeah, aye. Because that's how Fulgrim. the weapons keep getting traded around as well, isn't it? 
Yeah, like the um, anathema or the, the weapon which first corrupted Poros. Oh no no, there's a there's a whole thing with uh, with the head is involved in this like trading process, which leads to. Uh, you know how obviously Fulgrim and Ferris made weapons for each other, and then yeah, when yeah. they go when they fight each other, when Fulgrim goes to recruit him, they swap, and then yeah. they there's a whole process where it ends up with like, uh, where the the weapons keep getting traded from person to person, and I'm sure there's a point where the head is handed over and they get one of those weapons as a as a thanks or something like that. It's a whole yeah. thing. I remember, I remember explaining it to Mez last season. <laughs> yeah, it was but, a very uh, complicated all, process. <laughs> but also the the uh, weapon which everybody first stole from the uh, Kinebrach or yeah, yeah, uh, which yep. corrupted Horus. Um, Horus gave it also to Fulgrim to uh, at some point to also prove uh, Fulgrim that um, Horus trusts Fulgrim. Oh yeah, and sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and theme. then then Fulgrim gives it to uh, Fabius Bile. Yes, uh, and I th and I think Edwardus gets his hands onto it and breaks it apart. Probably. to to get eight, uh, eight eight daggers out of it, and then these are also divided onto the most loyal um, Legion commanders of the Wordbearers. All right. And I think then <laughs> um, Olianios uh, Pierce gets his hands onto one of these. Right. Yeah. This, this, is, a, this is a convoluted plot. Yeah. And like, uh, I'm starting for, to see um, why people get confused with these plot lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Out of curiosity, do the daggers still work as an anatheme? Or do they not work I'm anymore? I'm not sure about it because wasn't the whole point that they are uh, that the anath anath oh, I cannot pronounce it. Sorry, that the <laughs> weapon is specialized for just um, they are like an intelligent weapon. So if you say you they 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 are get they get configured to to just kill one person. Specifically, yes. one person. So that's the whole point why Horus gets even um, into this death-like state, um, yeah. because of otherwise any other weapon wouldn't have put him in that position. Because like he's a, a primarch, um, yeah. his whole uh, his whole body is um, or genes are constructed to to combat any poison and uh, yeah. Something like heal, that. basically, anything. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, the the anath anathema uh, is programmed to like kill Horus. So I do not know if it can be reprogrammed to do something other than that. I don't it think was it was a one-use item. Although they don't okay. really specify any point, I thought it was one of those situations where you basically had to like name the person you were trying to kill and it became able to kill that person but i i guess i just always assumed you could just change it to kill someone else otherwise it's a pretty useless weapon you know what uh, i mean like otherwise it have, it, like it it's a sword it can you can only really stab with it right so like 
you're limited in how you can use it, and if you can only make it kill one immortal creature, what if there weren't immortal creatures? Like, that weapon's only actually useful against a Primarch. You're not just going to use it on your friend Dave, because the sword itself would kill him, you know what I mean? Yeah, but... But... <laughs> I mean, first, it's... To, to kill Primarch is a pretty badass deed, so... <laughs> I would say... But they didn't know Primarchs existed when they made the sword. So they made this sword that can kill one guy, no matter what. But that's a completely worthless thing to have, because the sword can do that anyway. Because they didn't know Primarchs existed at the time. Yeah, but then again, you can also kill, like, it's still a sword. So you can kill with it <laughs> otherwise. But not specifically, yeah. yes. I just can't and figure out why they bothered to make it like that in the first place. But <laughs> so also just to prove they could, I guess. I think there is not like one weapon out of it. Like like it's a, a weapon category. So the, the oh, yeah, absolutely. Craft, crafters could also make more of them. Yes, they absolutely could. I just can't figure out why they made one in the first place because there's nothing in the galaxy other than Primarch who needed that for. Like, well, well maybe like a really big Terranid. Yeah, it'd be easier they, that way. Or maybe like a big Orc. Well, I suppose, yeah. But then, yeah. I, I, I feel like most people can't pronounce Orc names well enough to make the sword kill it. Hey, true. <laughs> <laughs> you know... But I guess they were probably just planning ahead. They were like, look, let's just make a sword that can kill anything. I'm like, why? I don't know, just in case. In case we need it. It's a good thing to have lying around, I guess. I'd probably have made a gun that did it instead, though. It'd be a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. And um, interestingly enough about uh, Maximus Sane, um, like, he's... He's most prominent be uh, because of his deeds during the, the uh, War of the Beasts, yeah. which Ryan already explained, like enacting uh, the Last War Protocol, killing the beast, becoming Lord Commander of the Imperium, something like that. But um, he also gets um, rather uh, prominent side stories, uh, if you want to say that, um, during the uh, Siege of Terror series. Oh, does he? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's uh, for, for fans of the Imperial Fists or also of Maximus Thane, um, I can recommend uh, reading the series. Which which chapter is it he is actually the chapter master of before he becomes the the last Imperial Fist? Was it the Fist's exemplar? I think so. I'm not sure about it. I think it was. But um, I think um, during his first uh, um, appearance of the Siege of Terror book, in the Siege of Terror books, he's also like his, the successor chapter, the name of the successor chapter where he uh, gets the original chapter master uh, is also in the name of his uh, company during that time. So yes, because uh... Legion is, is, is much bigger than an actual chapter, it, it could work that out because like 1000 legionnaires are like one company i i guess and I, so I it could so. work that like the company just gets to be the the um, chapter yeah. afterwards uh so in terms of like modern day ones right because yeah. that was the point is we were going to talk about modern day chapter masters yeah. right i i want to mention one that is a bit uh 
I guess one of the ones you wouldn't really think about, right? Do you remember Faller Dark? Yes. He was in Devastation of Baal. So, as far as the current day ones, I think that Faller Dark is one of those ones that, like, he was a very cool guy. And Followed. How is he called? Faller Dark. F O L L O R D A R K. He was the chapter, chapter master. master of the Angel Ex- uh, Angels Excelsis. Uh, yeah. He was one of the ones that died during the uh, devastation of Baal. <laughs> yeah, now it rings a bell. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember him being a particularly huge part of the story, because uh, they're a fleet-based chapter, so they basically just got eaten by Tyranids while they were still in space. But it uh, wasn't... Like wasn't his role uh, also to to be um, the like a commander of the fleet based uh, fleet based elements of uh, ho- of the whole um, uh, chapters of the blood? I believe so. Yes, I think his death was. I mean, of course, there were like many chapter masters and famous persons dying during uh, that book, uh, but I think one uh, his death was one one of the. Um, once where I would say, okay, nice guy, cool move. Um, yeah. <laughs> cra- crazy, crazy deaths, crazy deserving deaths. Yeah, that's fair. And you, you're like, you like him more. I do. Than, I, I, feel, okay. I feel like he's one of those ones that like is a little bit underrated as far as chapter masters yeah. go. But like... He had a cool death, and he like did his job properly. I feel like there was a bit of respect deserved there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't think he's one you're really meant to talk about much. I like old. I've also one which you like. I've of course I've got a list prepared where yeah. there are several chapter masters named uh, because we have such a great range of chapters uh, during uh, 40k. Uh, yeah. It's kind of crazy. I've got Carib Khan of the Red Scorpions. Ever heard of him? I, oh, I don't think so. Um, he's actually um, a Leviathan Dreadnought right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> which I think is also... A Dreadnought like, chapter uh, master. That's cool. Yeah, like this whole fact that he's a chapter master and into in a Dreadnought and it's also a Leviathan Dreadnought. <laughs> just makes yeah. him interesting and um, he's also like a really competent leader uh, of mm. course that that goes for all chapter masters um, but compared to other chapter masters and I think during the um, was it was it the Badab war like during the war where um, Huron Blackheart um, oh, yeah. um went um, heretic and also got like two other uh, space marine chapters with him um, to yeah. to rule a certain uh, area of the galaxy i'm sorry i'm i'm not that detailed into in, in this campaign but uh, <laughs> like um Kalb, um got um Carol Calm was um anointed high commander which is chapter master during during that campaign and uh, was also uh, ah here's it called uh, was promoted to the position of lord high commander during the badab war like that's a position that, like not lord commander of the imperium but lord high commander uh, that he was the commander of all the military assets 
like yeah. other space marine chapters, Imperial Guard factions, and so on and so on, um, to, to uh, that he's able to lead them during during this war, um, which is kind of a statement. Yeah, cool. Huh. Yeah. yeah, and that also it's. Cool. A, not only is it also a Leviathan Dreadnought, but it's a Relic Leviathan Dreadnought. Like, it, it has also Ooh. specific weapons for him, like, it, Ooh, I think, claws. Because, <laughs> like, the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite cool. I, I actually didn't know there was any Dreadnought uh, chapter masters. Yeah. I, I feel <laughs> I think like it's we crazy. just put Bjorn back in charge of the Space Wolves then. Yeah. I think during um, Bjorn's time as is, um, as a great wolf, like the chapter master, he was also not um, a dreadnought. Yeah. But he had yeah. still his original physical space marine uh, form. Yeah, I believe that they changed him away from being chapter master after he was interred in a dreadnought. Yes. But I suppose it's yeah. probably because that's a bit of older kind of storytelling, and back then they probably didn't want to have a dreadnought a chapter master so maybe that's why yeah maybe um also it's not technically a chapter master position because they don't have chapters so maybe that's why (laughs) yeah yeah like yeah 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 i'll say that actually maybe it's because he can't take part in any other like traditions all of the space wolf traditions are around like eating and drinking and stuff like that and fighting and you couldn't exactly have the great wolf not able to take part and like if he didn't get involved in the fighting he'd immediately kill everyone so maybe that's why yeah i think it in 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 the modern 40k time um he he has earned himself like this legendary position that is like equal to to being a chapter master or a great wolf of the space wolf like he's uh, the, the last remaining person to have ever seen the the um great wolf like the original great wolf like um Lieben russ alive yeah um actually he isn't the only one nowadays. Like Rudy Glimmer is, is is yeah. also, and of course uh, Lionel Johnson also. Yeah, this um, is true. And also Belisarius Call. <laughs> like there's there a few people nowadays. Yeah. Well, to be fair, actually, that's that's uh, that's only true that there's a very limited number. If you're only thinking about loyalists, because of the traitors, of course. there are a yeah, bunch of yeah. them. Like, yeah, Fabius must right. have met most of the Primarchs, you know what yeah. I mean? Stuff like that. There's but, probably a bunch of traitors that have met a lot of them. Yeah, but it was Apodon also... Have met all of them at some point. Like, I mean, in, in modern 40k, it's it's crazy to see an actual Primarch alive, because, oh, yeah. like, there haven't been for 10,000 years any yeah. loyal Primarchs being alive. Like, if you have seen, like, a, a traitor one you are going to die within seconds. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not that's not that a great statement. Um, but um, having been alive during the Horus Heresy or Great Crusade era and seeing an, a Primarch life was also such a, um, a big event during that time. So I think that is yeah. also a great fact. So any, any space marine to have ever um, come close to, to, to see a Primarch... Um, I think it it stuck into their heads. Mm. 
so another chapter master I wanted to mention actually. Do you know about the Mortifactors? I have heard about them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're one of these chapters that are like kind of like the uh, Minotaurs, where people are kind of like keep them at arm's length. They don't really want to be anywhere near them because they're a bit murdery. Uh, yeah. Interestingly, their chapter master uh, Magyar wears bone armor. His his ar- armor is artificer armor crafted out of bone. Is it like alien bone or something? Like I have it's no idea. Like he even knows. <laughs> because like to to wear bone like, to wear like bone of of um, human uh, origin is uh, like to to not wear any armor at all. So yeah. I think when when some like if a space marine wears bone armor, it has to be like crazy bone armor um, with a duration to to be compared to um, a space marine armor, normal space yeah. marine armor out out of adamantium or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. But also, wouldn't it be like a little bit heretical because? Uh, um, exterminate the Xenos and so on and so on to 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 like to deal with with alien stuff. Yeah, it's definitely heretical. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest with you though, most things are heretical in modern 40k. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like every chapter, every random person and stuff like that talk about things being heresy while currently performing their own form of heresy. It's pretty common, actually. <laughs> it's uh, it's not a well-understood rule what is and is not heresy. Well, there are some but, chapters which are so coherent to the Codex Exoratis that they say anything else which is not... Uh, which is not... Uh, Legitimate to the uh, Codex Ratis is per se heretic. You could yeah, argue. Yeah, but then the Codex Astartes isn't isn't technically part of the Imperial Creed. Yeah, because it, it's not part of the Ecclesiarchy's text. It's part of the. Uh, it's more like a combat text. doctrine. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. Uh, yeah. the, the majority of the Codex Astartes is like advice and rules for governing space marine chapters but like the first part of it said that like rule one we're breaking up into chapters rather than legions and then the rest of it was like a thousand pages on how to like i don't know govern battle properly and stuff like that yeah in gilliman's mind (laughs) so like it is mostly just combat doctrines as an interesting side fact i think gilliman is um in in nowadays is also uh, creating uh, another codex uh, which is about uh, how to govern people and right. like realms something like that which is also interesting oh, that so is cool he actually. Does, yeah 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 um i've also like i would i would say i've i've got one last candidate i would um enter Kalia drago for for the ring of being oh, badass absolutely Chapter master, <laughs> like Calder Drago is the supreme grandmaster of the Grey Knights chapter. Like the the supreme grandmaster is equal to to being chapter master. Like their their company masters are called grandmasters. Yeah, and uh, well, because they're all kind of like a magical order, so grandmaster is just the more suited title. 
er and he's supreme grandmaster. <lacht> so, what is better than a master? It's a grandmaster. What is better than a grandmaster? It's a supreme grandmaster. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just keep yeah, adding yeah. titles. Next yeah. is the ultra supreme grandmaster. Yeah. Or the <lacht> mega supreme grandmaster and so on and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why is he deserving to to be a candidate for 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 that? Um, vote if you say so um because um like to to be promoted to supreme grandmaster is already an achievement in itself because yeah. gray knights are already like out from all of the um first one space greens like the gray knights are perhaps the most efficient combat wise because they combine a huge uh, psychic potential with uh, like the the doctrines of of space marines and He battled, um, I think, a bunch of demon princes. Also carved um, like his name in, in, uh, on the heart of Mortarion and banished him. And uh, he's currently, cool yeah. And he, I think was it Mortarion? No, it was. I think it was the demon prince MK that has uh, cursed um, Calder Drago to. Um, to be in the um, warp realm, like the, demon the demonic warp. Yeah. And uh, so he can only enter to certain conditions, the, the normal martial realm, and uh, otherwise he has to fight like in, in the warp against demons all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's pretty, pretty badass. And he's still alive. So, <laughs> Who, You might know, because you seem to be pretty up to date with, uh, with the Grey Knight stuff, at, le at least compared to me. Uh, who is the Grey Knight that carries the, the sword made of a demon that was born when the first human committed murder. Ah, of course, he's got a book for it. <laughs> yeah, well, like, we have got Warden of the Sword. Uh, ah, there we go, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> I haven't read it, actually, so I, I just hope that I read his name into it. Uh, Garen Crow. Ah, yes. What One of yeah. the coolest, like, concepts of a character in 40K, <laughs> I would say. Uh, like, you. <laughs> Like, there are a few characters that, like, without looking into the character or the storyline at all, if you just explain the concept, there are a few of them that are really cool. And he is one of the ones that I think would be, like, top contender for that. I think, because, uh, like, you're just playing, like, oh, he's a magical knight that wields a sword made from the demon that was born the first time any human committed murder and it constantly whispers to him trying to like draw draw him to their side but that's wait, cool what, as what, hell wait what was the fact about his sword the the sword he carries was born or sorry was crafted from a demon that was born when humans first committed murder so, but, you know the old yeah. biblical story of uh, Cain and Abel? Yeah, yeah, but I thought that uh, that particular sword is the one uh, that Abaddon wields. Th there's a great like, knight that wields, that has to hold that particular sword, I know that. I don't know if Abaddon's possibly acquired it at some point, but I know that there was a great knight whose entire job was to carry this sword because it okay. constantly tried to tempt anyone that had it, and... 
no one could be trusted with it. And the Grey Knights are the only ones with, like, the willpower to avoid it. So this guy just sits, like, like I guess, meditating with a sword all the time. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty hilarious. It's pretty badass, too. <laughs> like, to have got, like, this, this upsetting sword, like, yeah, come to chaos, we are the good guys. <laughs> I love the idea time, of a demon doing this to try and yeah, and, and, and each time you just have to say shut the fuck up I'm going to slash your kind with your own sword <laughs> but I yeah. think that uh, just the concept of that character is pretty cool even if you never look into him uh, I would say it's on par with uh, oh what's her name Ephrael Stern Ephrael yes. Stern, just as a character, like as a concept, is one of the coolest characters in 40k. <laughs> she is a um, um, battle sister, right? Yes, the heretic saint. Yeah. She also yeah. got, uh, I think, her own book. And, she did, uh, yes, it was very good. <laughs> and Crow also got, um, I think, not this year, but uh, 2022, got also um, a new miniature which also covers oh, cool. him uh, to some great extent. So, which awesome. is also like upscale to primary standard. So he's still, I think the, all of the Grey Knights are still firstborn Marines. I do not I know. I would if imagine they... so. Sorry, come again? I would imagine that they are still firstborn. Rather yeah, than I'm not sure if, if, if they can actually become primaries, <laughs> but I'm not sure about it. If they couldn't become Primaris, I would assume it would only be because Call wouldn't know about them to teach them how to do it. Like, what is their original gene seed? Uh, it was a mix. Yeah, yeah, like, of course, of course, yeah. Yeah, they were taken in from a bunch of different chapters. They they weren't uh, originally any one in particular. Because you had Garrow going around rounding up all the stragglers to lead them. Yeah, I just thought that uh, I'm I'm not sure why I thought that, but but that they have got kind of the the uh, emperor's genetic material into them. But I'm they may actually do uh, to, to to be honest, because uh, it was it was what's his face uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name the old man uh, Malkador. Malkador it was Malkador that handled it all. So Did you there's just every say, what chance. Is, yeah. What is his face? <laughs> What's his face? I, I couldn't remember his name. Uh, okay. Yeah, it, it was Malkador that organized all of it, wasn't it? While uh, yeah, Garrow yeah. was rounding up the the leaders, I guess. Yeah. Uh, also, who decides who to to get to Jupiter to become the really yeah. the Grey Knights? Before that, they were just the Knights Errant. Yeah, so there's every chance that they actually did just craft a new type of gene seed for them based on, like, the... Uh, well, it wouldn't be based on the... I was going to say based on the custodies, but it wouldn't be. Yeah. Because they don't have any connection to the warp. I, I guess if the Grey Knights do have a unique gene seed, it would probably be, like, the mirror to the custodies. Yeah. But, yeah. like, a positive mirror. <laughs> Yes, I. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, they're kind of like a box standard Space Marine, but with 
incredible psychic potential. Whereas yes. your custodies are kind of like a normal space marine, but with a physical turned up to 11, kind of hang, maxed out, rather yeah. than having any psychic potential. Because custodies basically are not a psychic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why they were paired with True. the Sisters of Silence, isn't it? There, there, are, there aren't any psychic custodies, aren't there? Haven't no, heard of not. them. No, absolutely yeah. zero. They're they're not meant to exist. They're they're biologically designed to not have psychic potential. But the gene seed of the custodes is Emperor Rice, isn't it? Like, what are custodies? I don't think it was based off the Emperor, but it, what they are all individually handcrafted. So. I yeah, actually, but they, 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 they are in Space Marine. No, so, they're not, no. <laughs> so I, think I don't think they actually have a gene seed. Yeah, but I, don't I think, think that's crazy because like the Space Marines get to be Space Marines because of the actually of the gene seed. Like it's it's the most important thing in um yeah. to 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 get a Space Marine or to to get the transformation uh, to be a Space Marine is the the implementation of the gene seed because it enables yeah. all the other genetic material to to um to change into like space marine portions and so i think it's also really interesting that Kisotis may or may not have gene seed uh, but if they have not then they have to they, they are like supreme to to space marines so the whole point of of the Kisotis is that they are individually crafted like the, mm. um if a space marine is a mass crafted product uh custodies is like a master crafted individually master crafted yeah. product against them that's so the it's point like, that's like, what it's supposed to be yeah the, exactly. the space marines were designed to be like a template system where you could yes. pump out thousands of them in a matter of days kind of thing yeah you could just produce so many of them and they'd all be this kind of like cookie cutter template, same thing over and over again. But the Kasodis are all designed to be entirely unique. But At even least then, they don't have, they're designed to not have psychic potential because I, I guess nowadays the reason that that's a good thing is that it makes it harder for the warp to influence them. But I think originally course, yeah. it was just it was just because it was more useful to have them not be magical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you have that whole thing where, like, like the physical is their entire thing. Because the reaction speeds drop even slightly, they are immediately stripped of their armor and shit out into the galaxy. <laughs> yes. Okay, um, Ryan, do you have also uh, one last candidate, or do we want to jump to to uh, another question? Honestly, I think we. I think we've. Uh, there aren't a lot of the modern day ones that I know a lot about, right? So yeah. there is, a, was it Thracian, the guy who led the Scythe of the Emperor? Yes. Big fan of that guy. He was a cool dude. But, yeah. but even then, I don't have like a huge story to tell about him. I just have a few modern day ones that like, there aren't a lot to say about them unless you're talking about like the main line ones, like uh, Space uh, Wolves, Fists, Space so Wolves. On and so on. Aye. That kind of thing. And I don't know a lot about many of them other than uh, Grimnar and uh, Dante, you know? Yeah. So uh, if you want to talk about weird ones, uh, what was it? Uh, Bayor. Oh, what was, I can't remember his last name. Uh, Bayor was the 
was the chapter master of the... Or he's the only chapter master that's ever actually been a chapter master of the Space Wolves, interestingly. Of the Space Wolves? Yeah, uh, because the Space Wolves only ever made one successor chapter, the Wolf Brothers. And yeah, because yeah, yeah. they were a successor chapter, they actually had the rank of a chapter, of chapter master. master. And it was this guy, Bayor. But obviously, we all know how the spe- uh, how the Wolf Brothers went. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. led to them killing half of the Space Wolves. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I mean, you you already covered the the uh, success of the Wolf Brothers in one of your episodes. But I think yes, it's kind of yeah. interesting that that they are some of them popping up like every century or millennium so far yeah. like they're, they're like lonely survivors or, or remnants yeah. of it and then again there are whole portions of them during like the war of the fang yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's 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 kind of interesting how that concept is is working out or also like with the um 13th great company like we have got the whole portion which is rediscovered um during the events which you also covered uh, when um uh, oh, the Return to Prospero. Yeah, when, when Stormcaller visits Prospero. Um, but we have also got like these wolves which are found um, during random times. Like we've got a, a whole story um, which is called is the, the Hunt for the Wolven, which um, yeah. also was, I think, a ploy of Magnus because then it it, uh, it ends uh, during the second um, siege of, of the Fenris system. Where Magnus yeah. uh, is also. Also, I'm just. Uh, it reminds me to uh, an, another interesting little subtopic, which is um, which we got with with um, Castle and Crow wielding the demonic sword. Like Logan Grimner has also a demonic weapon. <laughs> He's yeah. got his demonic axe, like which is which was from a, a Cornite berserker or something like that, or a Cornite champion. So, which uh, <laughs> which is why he can battle Magnus and banish it with uh, with it because it's uh, like the opposite um, warp identity uh, to to siege. Yeah. Like Corn is like the opposite of siege, so they do not get along, and so um, Grimner can battle Magnus with it. Mm. So yeah. I think it's interesting that they both wear wield weapons which are like the complete opposite of what a space marine should do. Yeah, this is very true. But to be fair, you just need the most effective weapon possible. And I feel like they've found that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so of the rest of our questions that we had planned for today, is there a particular one you want to go to next? Is there one that's really taking your fancy? I think I like uh, underrated, overrated characters, but oh, I have okay. not. Yeah, but I have not prepared that much for it. So I would rather more jump to current events plus predictions because that is something which I can talk more about it. Ah, okay. Because I have one thing prepared for the over or underrated characters, and I feel like uh, it, it's more of a joke than a real discussion point. But I'm excited to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe we can just talk about it, and if there should be the opportunity for like another talk between us, um, I can prepare uh, another one for that oh. time. Well, I, I can just mention this bit quickly because it's not a, it's yeah. not a big thing; it's not a real discussion point, uh, and then we can go back to this topic at another time. Yeah, when sure, we've, sure. You know, really looked at it properly. Uh, 
I feel that uh, that oh god, what is his name? Lorgar is an overrated character. Overrated. Yes, everyone hates him, and I still feel like we overrate him. I feel like we should all hate him more than we do. He is a truly <laughs> terrible character. I, I thought that it would be like Orga is underrated because so many hate him, but he has got like perks and, and points which he would now uh, present to us, but I would not have thought that you say, okay, Lorga is, is like a bitch character, so we should even hate him more. Yeah, I feel like he's overrated even even though everyone hates him. We need to hate this guy even more. <laughs> I mean, uh, have you um, read um, the first heretic of yes. the Horus Heresy? Because yes. like that, that is the book which is wholly dedicated to Logger and why yeah. he turns traitor, why like it, it's the whole origin point to why the Horus Heresy is going to, to take a mm -hmm. place. Yeah. Yeah. I just so there, he's just which, such a little bitch. He's such a terrible, useless character. He manages to enslave a better Primarch than him and try to turn it on Horus. And still, at the end of the whole situation, he's so pathetic that Horus won't even kill him. He just sends him away. So you're not even worth murdering. Get out. <laughs> He's such a pathetic character. Ah, yeah, you you are referring to uh, another one of the Horus Heresy books, right? Um, yeah. Was it called uh, Slaves of Darkness? Yeah, and even now, all he's doing is run around in the warp, hiding from uh, Ghost Corps. Oh, yeah, just hiding from Corvus Korak. Like, you're hiding from like an 11 foot tall emo. What What are you doing? To yeah, but to uh, to be honest, like Corvus Korak is like the equivalent to a loyalist demon Primarch. So yeah, he's a total, uh, he's a total I, beast, I, but like yeah. So I would still. also be scared of him. And he has faced Corvus Korak's. Um, before, during the uh, the, the, the Eastwan uh, campaign, yeah. uh, during the drop site massacre, and uh, there he already got slapped by Corax yeah. <laughs> and would have been murdered if not for the support of uh, Conrad Curse. So maybe yeah. there is a certain. Uh, oh, I get why mindset. he's scared. I'm just saying, die like a man. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's not I mean, that's doing not, it. He's never going to be a useful character. I just want him to die. To do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just make it cool at least, you know? Take a planet way or something, but just get over done with, man. But they cannot die, can they? Like, only if Gilliman um, kills them with the, the um, Emperor's sword. Uh, I mean, there are other ways that you could kill them. Because realistically, the demon Primarchs are kind of middle ground, right? They're like half demon, half half mortal. Yes. Yeah. So if, if you kill the physical body, you end up with this Magnus situation where they are only a demon now and they can only form out of the, out of the warp for a brief period of time. At which point you could only kill them with the with the emperor sword or something, I guess equivalent to it. But like yes. even then, if you if you kill their physical body, I mean, 
Lorgar has not been out of the warp in like 10,000 years because he's afraid of everything. So you probably just never see him again if you do that. Yeah, that, that maybe that's also a point which you can do to predictions or uh, anti-predictions because I think also Lorgar is... Would, it would be like a big surprise is, uh, if uh, Games Workshop or Black Diablo to, to decide that Lorga gets an active role once again into modern Warhammer 40k because I can't imagine nobody what it would be. Yeah, nobody would suspect it because we we no, already know what what uh, what you said. Like Lorga has been kind of being active since since the Horus Heresy. Like he has. Uh, yeah. been on his um, demon planet and um, I think he is in meditation to, to get the yeah, in his tower. What, what, yeah exactly to, to get the, the whole idea of the plan of chaos to, to succeed or something like that which uh, maybe you could say Abaddon is already doing in active terms like with the Black Crusades and Noctis Eterna Great Rift so on and so on yeah. Lorgar hasn't done anything. <laughs> Lorgar has done nothing the entire time. Yeah. Erebus <laughs> did more than Lorgar did. And, and, and yeah, realistically, if if Lorgar never exi existed, nothing would have changed. We would not have had a Horus Heresy, yes. It would no, have been we better. absolutely would have. Erebus would have just figured it out. Uh, Erebus was yeah. such an asshole. He would have done that. He would have stabbed Horus regardless. <laughs> it was just a matter of time. I think Erebus is the much the most static character in whole Warhammer 40k. Now, see, I I agree with you. That seems to be the general consensus. But personally, I don't think that that should be the case because at least uh, at least Erebus does stuff. Right, he's a horrible person with terrible like reasoning for doing stuff. But at least he does stuff that matters. Lorgar never does anything. He just wastes your time when you're reading books because you have to read about what Lorgar is doing, and none of it ever matters. Yeah, all of his plans fail, and he's just—it's just a waste of time. But for all that, I think it's it's great that we got uh, Aaron Dembski Bowden to to write both of his important books. Like we've also got the the Primark book of him. I do not have I haven't read it, but I, I think it's about his background or so. I'm not sure about yeah, it. Yeah, it's not his, his childhood growing up and getting slapped around by his dad. Yeah, which yeah. is Corferian, which is also yeah, yeah. It's, yeah another <laughs> topping. But it's it's nice because um, Aaron Dembski Bowden has has a, his way of uh, with words. So um, both the first Heretic and also Betrayer were great books to to at least get to know him and to also understand him in a way. Yeah, is because it, uh, like like before before he gets. Um, or after he uh, the raising of Monarchia takes place, um, we get to experience his talk to uh, um, to Magnus, where mm. he complains about like why he has to be in military leader. Like all of the the primarchs uh, should act as generals and um, like war masters, war leaders, um, war mongers, something like that to 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 um, increase uh, or to. Ex, ex, to make the Empyrean greater. 
bigger. Expand the experience. Expand, thanks you. And <laughs> um, Lorga is like, why do I have to do it? Why, why, why should I have like these qualities when I've certainly proven myself to be like more of a sophisticated leader to to yeah. raise monuments to 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 preach to make the people believe into the idea of the imperium or per se to 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 the emperor to be a, a god so why do i have to be like anybody else and mm -hmm. i think it's a fair point but one might argue that he's bitching around <laughs> oh he absolutely is right yeah. so yeah i feel like maybe we should move to one of the other questions because that was all i really had to say about uh, under overrated characters just how much i hate lorgar yeah uh, although saying that is it is it magnus that does the big speech about how like all of all of the other primarchs got to like keep their people and stuff like that oh no it's it's uh it's Angron, isn't it? Who does the speech about how, uh, like, uh, for, uh, no, Lorgar gets to keep, like, Corferon and stuff like that, but all of his people had to die. Isn't it Angron that does the speech about that? Yeah, but I think um, Angron does that to, to Gilliman and compares himself to Gilliman and uh, says uh, that Gilliman is like an... an uh, was it called like a spoiled child because yeah. like from 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 all of the primarchs like Egron is the only one who who, who hasn't gotten like companions uh, hasn't gotten yeah. foster fathers uh, like he hasn't gotten people which he can be trusted around um, which he can yeah. be familiar with like any other primarch got that like uh, Gilliman got his foster father got uh, people which he knew of and had in secure home Angron like was in a pit in Gladiator pit. He has like yeah. to eat shit, and pr also he sh he just should die, and he could not um, he could not conquer the planet. He like he was a failure uh, at yeah. least for 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 his brothers uh, at the time when he was found, like because he he had not succeeded in any other positive way, which uh, any other of the of uh, of, his, of his brothers did. Of his yeah, brethren. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. so he he but said to Gilliman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's great because in Betrayal you can see um why the world eaters and Angron are also a great legion and why why they have turned traitor, but they also did not have that much option otherwise. Yeah. Because like the oh. Imperium does not care for the world eaters or, or Angron. What what is the the quote when uh, when Gilliman is talking to Angron? And he's, like, uh, he's like, "You too, brother. I've I've uh, I've heard Lorgar's heresies, but what reason could you possibly have for turning like this?" And Angron's only response is, "They let me dream." Like, that is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it really shows though that 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 is it. It's that. I guess none of them really think about the reality of what what their brothers like Angron went through or what they're going through. They just kind of see the anger at the surface of it. I think it was even that they can't control. Exactly, and I think it was also a great point of Angron that why the emperor uh, 
why the emperor saved him, but not any of his companions. Yeah. It it was a, a great point because like the emperor doesn't care for him. Yeah. Yeah. He could also have like uh, which which is also a pain of Engron. He could have saved him, his companions, or he could have just supported his cause. Wouldn't yeah, have been a problem. Have. Like it's like a soul world. It it it's not interesting for the whole Imperium, uh, which was the outcome for for the for for one planet or for one society. Yeah. And he would have won Engron's trust, maybe even his love, but he didn't do it. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, I think we should probably move on to like one of the other questions since we actually have stuff to talk about for them. So yeah. you I would want to do the current events and predictions kind of Yeah, topic, I would yeah? also maybe limit it because I think it would... Uh, we would invest too much time if we would talk like about all the events which, which happened during the Arondomitis and so on and so on. Well, um, I think that we can cut it down quite a bit already because in the last episode we talked about a lot of the stuff that's went on recently with like True. we talked yeah. about the lion coming back we talked about uh about the gene father events and kind of stuff around that things like that so we have talked about a fair bit of it already true yeah yeah because like um on on i'm currently on the lexicanum uh, website um which is kind of a Wikipedia to to um, yeah. Warmer 40k. Like the other one is uh, Warmer 40k fandom, which is also great. Um, like these are the two primary sources when I'm going to to um, yeah research some 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 things yeah. and not reading like the source material like the books <laughs> and so on. And uh, it's listed like the notable events of the Age of the Dark Imperium or the Era Indomitus. I'm not sure if there is a distinction between these two time periods or if it's like combined. Um, no idea. <laughs> it, it Based on the calendar system in 40k, uh, they could be a thousand years apart and no one would know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, we've got the Noctis Eterna, we have got the Thirteenth Black Crusade, the fall or the devastation or the fall of Cadia. We have got the reawakening of uh, Rubuti Gilliman, his Terran Crusade, where he um, tries to reach Terra for the first time to meet the Emperor, where he gets the Emperor's sword. And then we have got, of course, the the um, Domitus Crusade which he launches to to um, make uh, um, at least Imperium Sanctus safe again. And mm. then um, we uh, reach the point where he crosses uh, Vigilus to, to enter the um, Imperium Nihilus to also make that region safe again. And um, we've got the, the supporting act of Belisarius' call during the Arandomitus where uh, Ball... Um, tries to to uh, close the great rift again and yeah. Um, yeah we've got the devastation of Baal we've got the third war of Armageddon which is still ongoing to to this point of time so plague wars you you get what I mean so there there are yeah. like I like I said there there are many events uh, which we can cover there are also certain events which I do not have any knowledge about because like these were um only in campaign books and i'm not someone who who 
uh, pays for certain campaign books. Like we've got <laughs> the Na Na Nakmund Rift War, we've got the Car Car Carodon mm. campaign, Psychic Awakening, War of the Beasts. So these are all covered in campaign books and I haven't yeah. read or listened to a summary of them. So I cannot even talk about these in detail. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so, is there a particular kind of modern day event that really takes your interest? Like, of course, we... two that really pique my interest. Then maybe we should go to a two-year ones. I think it's easier. Okay. So there, there's two events that really pique my interest that are kind of uh, a little bit away from that kind of like main storyline that you get, like following okay. Gilliman and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one of them is uh, the, well, it's Ephrael Stern, the heretic saint, right? Because she's been around for a while, and her whole thing is that she's a, she's a battle sister who is also a psyker. So she's yes. been treated as this, like, heretic for ages. So uh, the orders that she's part of hate her. They treat her as a criminal. And they're... After the Great Rift opens, the story that takes place is after the Great Rift has opened, it's, uh, I believe it's a Mechanicus Magos who's on Nihilus' side, starts noticing that uh, there's like a line of planets along the edge of the Great Rift are being like purified. Yes. So he goes to like the next planet in the chain to try and find out what's going on and yeah. meets Ephrael Stern. Yeah. who is there trying to like cleanse the planet of all these demons and stuff and she ends up teaming up with a bunch like a group of her order that are there but yeah. unfortunately her reputation precedes her and everyone hates her because she's a heretic because she's magic and yes. through the course of the story eventually for the first time since gaining her powers uh, she is accepted as one of her order because yeah. Because I believe it's this Mechanicus Magos that's there, like kind of starts trying to like influence the order of of uh, battle sisters, so that rather than thinking of her as a heretic, thinking of her as a saint, and that's how she ends up being this like heretic saint rather than uh, was it the uh, demoniers or whatever they call it when they think she's just a a demon in in uh, demon possessed monster. Demon Fuge or something like that. It's something like that, yeah. So this is the first time that she has been treated as an actual member of the Order since gaining her powers, which means that, technically speaking, we have another living saint on the Nihilist side rather than just uh, Celestine kicking around randomly, which yeah. is... Quite a quite a force to be reckoned with, to be fair, especially because she now has the support of the sisters about. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we have got we have got a number of of imperial saints, haven't we? Like, uh, like yeah, there's these, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, like uh, these ones which are similar to Celestine, which have got yes. like like which are like um, avatars of the. Um, of the emperor, um, yeah. which are like focuses to his psychic power, which cannot die, which have got like wings and and, and halos and something like that. But <laughs> yeah. we, but Celestine is the only one which has got an active role, right? 
Like I think there there well, there are some yeah. more, but they they do not. We do not know if they have got like an active part in in modern forty k, right? Yes, but that's why this part is important because now Efrael Stern is the second in that position. She has an active position, and she is now considered a saint. But has she got also? Because I, I'm I'm not that aware of her. So I, I've mm. of course I've heard of of her as the heretic saint, but I haven't read the the story of it. And so it's it's kind of that you have to inform me about it, and I can ask yeah. questions. And um, because I'm interested, she hasn't got the same powers as Celestine, uh, right? So she. Celestine is uh, immortal, so if she dies, she can reawaken. Uh, yeah, through... she reincarnates in new bodies and stuff. <laughs> exactly like that, but that's not something which happened to Ephraim Stern, right? She has died no. till now. No, she doesn't die, no. I believe that the original origin for her is that she was possessed by a demon and gained her powers that way, which is why everyone thinks that she's a heretic. But in the modern day, it seems like her it seems like she's also gained some emperor powers so her powers are fairly demonic in nature but she is entirely in control of their power which is interesting because it means that you've got this like saintly sister of battle running around throwing demon fire and lightning bolts and stuff yeah yeah and it would be also to, to match up um, in Empyrum Nihilus because the thing is Imperium Sanctum sounds safer than it actually is like we have got also yeah. <laughs> that many threats there but at some point uh, during the Indomitus Crusade Gilliman proclaims that it is safe enough that he has to enter Imperium Nihilus because yeah. like for 14 years standard time or his standard time um, he is uh, cruising through Imperium Sanctum to 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 make it safe again, and of course during that time he wasn't in Imperium Nihilus to 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 make that yeah. also happen, and of the both halves which we have got of the Imperium Imperium Nihilus is by far the more dangerous one because oh, it it's. Uh, it enters through all the, the crazy fringes to to um, uh, Xenos invasions and so on and so on, and uh, it's rather less populated than uh, Imperium um, Sanctum. So I think also you can't use the warp to travel in Nihilus. Yeah, like they. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the rift blocks the light of the Astronomicon. So none of the good guys on Nihilus' side can use the warp to travel without basically guaranteeing they get ransacked by demons in the warp. And yeah. they have no idea where they would come out anyway. So they can yeah. only use like tiny warp jumps to try and like skip a couple of days off a journey. But they can't like do whole segmentum journeys or anything like that properly. So you can't yeah. even organize a defense correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that is why it's really important. Like I've, I do know that there are some portions of Imperial Might in Imperium Nihilus. Like we've got, you mentioned, is Celestine still in Imperium Nihilus? Like she, she uh, accompanied the Terran Crusade to some extent to to to, um, which which reached Terra. Um, in its final state, yes. and but I do not know what happened afterwards to with, with I, her. 
I know she's still doing stuff, but I think she's off on like her own crusade, leading okay. a section of the Sisters of Battle. I don't yeah. think she's still with Gilliman, so yeah. I don't know that she ever went to Nihilus. Okay, because then we have got like we have got Dante with the Blood Angels and his successor chapters of the Blood, yeah. uh, which are doing stuff in, in Nihilus. And we have got, uh, of course, the, uh, the lion, which has yeah. reawakened is, and is doing his role as protector of the Imperium now. Uh, we've got the Dark Angels. And um, also we've got the Heretic Saint. Like, yeah. these are some ones to, to do some stuff. Yeah, people that can actually, you know, fight back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that is some, some things at least. Yeah, because I believe uh, that after after the events of the the newest Ephrael Stern novel, where she yes. actually is accepted as a saint yes. by her order, I believe it ends with her going to the Pariah Nexus as it is activated. Okay. So, so she and her order are within the Pariah Nexus, last we checked. So it seems like there's going to be a battle against the Necrons, led, at least partially, by the Heretic Saint. <laughs> Which is going to be interesting, because she won't be the Heretic Saint anymore, because she won't have her powers. But isn't the Pariah Nexus in uh, Imperium Sanctum? I don't know for sure. I okay. don't know off the top of my head what area it is in, but... Uh, there, through the course of the book, there's a whole thing where she keeps having these dreams about some like emptiness, some force of of like hollowness coming yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. And the book ends with them getting into an area of space, and then that it's the prior nexus, but it's as it activates, so she suddenly feels this like stripping of her powers, this disconnection from the warp. So yeah, yeah. because I don't know um, exactly where it is, but they end up there. <laughs> I think that there's maybe some part of the prediction which I can come about um, because on at the start of the Indomitus uh, Crusade books, like uh, Dawn of Fire series, Avenging Sun was mm -hmm. the first one, which was rather more about Gilliman and the things he, he does at the beginning, like the, uh, the, the Primaris Marines were presented and so on and so on. And but we've got also like a tiny side story, which is like at the start of the book and at the end of the book, um, where it is confirmed that there is the Pariah Nexus near mm -hmm. um, the Imperium and that it's a grave threat, but um, it isn't identified to that point as as that grave threat which it presents. Um, later during not the series, but we have got the the um, book Indomitus by Garthorpe which is all about uh, uh, ultramarine task force um, facing for the first time um, Necrons and also the yeah. Pariah Nexus. Like we've got this, the soul deadening where they have got like these um, yeah, Nexus established, which uh, robs all of the humans um, of their soul or warp side of their, of their nature. So they, mm -hmm. they get just, um, into a mindless kind of state where they cannot do anything at all, just move around and, but uh, yeah. can have no actual thoughts or something like that. And the Ultramarines are kind of resistant or less affected by it because I think they are 
one explanation may be that they are like have got this tiny bit of source material of the emperor and the, the primarchs right mm. and um it would be interesting because and now comes the pr prediction um i think the i've i've heard that the um indomitus books at least the first series because uh, we already know that it's uh, going to be nine books and we have right now we have seven <laughs> books at so at least nine <laughs> yeah i think it was uh, that uh, the dawn of furious the dawn of fire series should end with nine books like maybe there's a follow-up series which is coming about yeah. something I, like that i just feel they're gonna keep going and going with it even though no one's into it i think they are going to to do something like for imperium nihilus at some point yeah. then uh, which mm. would be more interesting also and um i think the the series um will end or i've heard the prediction that gilliman is going to to uh, face the pariah nexus and the silent king oh that'd be cool yeah and that yeah. happens before uh, like the dawn of fire series um is about the 14 year um campaign of the indomitus crusade before it enters imperium nihilus so we have got yeah. At this point, we have got the Indomitus Crusade, which is covered during the Dawn of Fire series books, which aren't finished, right? Because we have two big books missing. But at the same yeah. time, we have got this ongoing active um, series like with Belisarius Call, like the Great Work and um, which uh, and Gene Father, which was released recently, uh, which already covers like the point after that. Right yeah. before they enter Imperium Nihilus, but after the events of the um, Dawn of Fire series, so that's yeah. a bit crazy. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as predictions go, I actually think that uh, you know how they did a Flesh Terrors novel that took place after uh, after Devastation of Baal. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, I think there's going to be more Flesh Terrors novels, and I think that one of them will be Flesh Terrors fighting necrons in the prior nexus why so because why you so? because the flesh terror's entire thing is being like on this knife edge of falling into the black rage right yes but you can't fall to the black rage in the prior nexus because it's blocking the, the warp effects, the psychic effects, yeah. and so on and so on. So I think that it would be a cool thing for them to explore that concept, but also it would make the Blood Angels and all their successors like the most dangerous chapters to fight within that area because they could all go as mad as they wanted without ever actually falling to the rage. You know yeah. what I mean? It takes away the downside to their to their like to their curse, I guess. During um, during that part, I just remembered that um, during the, the devastation of Baal, um, where the, the high fleet of the Leviathan um, battled the, the uh, Blood Angels and their successor mm -hmm. chapters, um, that it was a major point which made a difference um, was the uh, birth of the Great Rift. Because it, it destroyed to some extent the the psychic nexus of the uh, hive mind, right? Yeah. Uh, which confused yeah. the the tyrannids, so the um, they did not have an organizing structure for some time during the the, the siege of of uh, Baal, 
and yeah. uh, which gave the Blood Angels like an opportunity to strike back mm-hmm. because they were already mangled bad at that point. And uh, I think it's interesting, like if the um, we we haven't got that much stories between two antagonize, uh, antagonizing Xenos factions. Like we haven't got a book. I, th- I at least correct me if I'm wrong, but I cannot imagine it. Like uh, a book where orcs fight tyranids. Like that's the whole point point of the book. Yeah. No, I don't think so. No. Or, Although I'm expecting an orcs, uh, sorry, a tyranids versus necron book at some point. Yeah, uh, because I I think. Uh, the Necrons with the Pariah Nexus are the best uh, weapon against the Tyranids. Like, if they can block the Psychic Necrod, which the Hive Mind obviously has got, um, it, it is, it would be really efficient against them. Yeah, well, isn't there the whole thing that the whole reason that the Silent King came back in the first place is because of the Tyranids? Oh, I do not know that. Oh, so obviously there's this whole thing where uh, after everything happened with a war in heaven, the Silent King realized that they had destroyed the galaxy. So it was not like their time to rule. It was not their place. Yeah. They they owed it to the galaxy to give them back their own position, basically. So he basically accepts that it's the Eldar's time to rule but they will return once the galaxy has been rebuilt. So he has everyone go into the, the stasis crypts and all the like the crypt worlds. But as punishment to himself for what he had done to his people, he basically put himself in exile and tried to go to another galaxy. But that obviously takes like millions upon millions of years. So he got like halfway to another galaxy and then came back because of some threat beyond... And the only thing we know that's came from another galaxy, which is a major threat, are the Terranids. So it's fair to say that he recognized the threat of the Terranids and came back because he knew that the only people who stood a chance of actually fighting them are the Necrons, since they are not biological beings anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's act- I think like a large part of his actual plan is to I guess pay back the damage they did to the galaxy by saving it from the Tyranids. Okay, yeah. It sounds logic. Yeah. Well, they, Lo- they are kind of designed perfectly to kill the space bugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? They like, they're, they're like the Ghostbusters. Yeah, like they're like the perfect guys for this particular job. With their, with their Gauss weapons and green rays and so on and so on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I think we're going to have Trezan teaming up with uh, <clears throat> with Call at some point. Yeah, definitely. To, to sort out like the pillars so they can fix the Great Rift to some degree. I think I mean, it's going to be Trezan that gives him the secret to that. Because they, they already work really good together during during uh, the 13th Black Crusade on Cadia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, th- those two get along quite well. <laughs> yeah. They're, they have, like, well. kind, kind of the same mindset. Like, they're both arrogant yeah. and uh, ironic and so on and so on. I haven't read yeah. the book where uh, Trazen has got his um, uh, his his, like, enemy uh, also Necron. Oh, oh the, it, what it's is called, it called? The, the Infinite and the Divine, I think. 
Yes, I that 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 is absolutely a wonderful book. They, yeah. they end up uh, the two of them end up at this like this uh... play or musical or something. Okay. It's, it's just a silly thing, but there's just a really fun joke in it Be- when they get to that stage. Because but, I, I, yeah, I I've heard read about it in your own time. Yeah, that that it's like the most comical book regarding Warmer Forty K. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, and I, I look forward to it. Because yeah. the, the same author also has uh, yet and now written um, The Fall of Cadia. So I've already got some expectation regarding his Trazen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eric Curiosity, what do you think of, uh, of the fact that Trazen has Creed? Do you think that'll ever come to anything? Uh, well, he originally he wanted Abaddon, like yeah. uh, in the Fall of Cadia in the book. Um, it's it's more explained in detail than I think it is in the uh, related uh, campaign codex, um, which was the original source material for the Thirteenth Black Crusade, Fall of Cadia, and so on and so on. And yeah. um, he realized that he could not get his his grip onto Abaddon. Uh, and um, then decided that Belisarius' call would also be a worthwhile um, yeah. entry for his collection, but um, Call could convince him that if he wants a standout piece for the events connected to the fall of Cadia and so on and so on, he should uh, collect Creed because yeah. uh, Creed is like the the symbol for for. Cadia yeah. and all its defense against chaos and so on and so on. And uh, Trazen was convinced by this argument and collected him. And Creed at this point had lost his uh, flag sergeant, which was Krell or Kel or something like that he's called. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah like which, his best friend. Yeah, which exactly. Which uh, he has gone through hell and and uh, and back with him and um, which was impaled by, by the is it called? It's still called the Emperor's Claw, right? Of Avadon, which he got from Horus. Isn't it the? Isn't it the uh, the Talon of Horus? Yeah, the Talon of Horus. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And um, ah, he like gives his life to to push Creed onto like an escape shuttle, doesn't he? Exactly, and Creed just uh, realizes and also tells uh, that much that he is just. Uh, He's broken down, so he he realizes that if um, he he's going to die on 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 Kalia. and yeah. uh, he also wishes to do so because he knows when he uh, survives that whole catastrophe that um, he's done for. Because um, if someone is going to take the blame to what happened on Kalia, it's going to be him, and um, he has yeah. like done everything he could do. In uh, to 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 save Cadia and it hasn't been successful. It been yeah, it hasn't. Yeah. It's had not been enough. So I think it's it's kind. It's it's good that Trazen actually collected him for his own sake, <laughs> if you would say so. Yeah. I mean, he's still like a famous general and uh, has got crazy mm. potential. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I think it's it's a neat closure for for the whole arc surrounding Creed and, and the fall of Cadia. I, I honestly hope that he does it like we don't see him again. I hope that's the end of Creed. Yes. To be honest with you. Two. Uh, Me too. 
Yeah, although they've kept the whole Cadia thing going because now we've got new Cadia being founded and they started recruiting Cadian White Shields again after Cadia fell when there was no Cadia and stuff like that. So we're obviously not getting rid of Cadia anytime soon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is also great, but because uh, the Kayan forces, the shock troops are still like elite forces in the Imperium. So it's it's kind of nice oh, that, yeah. the, that the faction still exists. But I think um, Games Workshop really loved uh, or does love to, to um, have like all options to every point still available. So that yeah. for for them like to expunge a space breach chapter or to expunge uh, an imperial um, guard faction, uh, it's something which they do not do that often. Or yeah, they, they would won't, do. They would make less money if they did. Yeah, exactly. They've already made the models. They're gonna keep selling them. You know. I think it's interestingly enough that they. Um, that they let, um, or what was it its name? The, the famous um, imperial figure of the um, second and third war, uh, war for Armageddon. Yarek. Commissioner, oh, right, yeah. Commissioner Yarek. I think he died because of old age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that's interesting enough. But then again, like we can see with, uh, with Creed, uh, they already have got a, a, a second option for it, like Ozra Crete's daughter. It's yeah. <laughs> like it's like you, you've got Crete. Okay, we cannot use him anymore. Like okay, now we have got a new Crete. So it's it's like she she <laughs> also she's like she's like the female Crete. No, she hates him, and she she's like. The, have you read Crete, the the new novel about her? Nope. It's, it's surprisingly good. There's a love story in it and everything. It's great. Uh, yeah, I know. It's really okay. good. <laughs> um, but, like, a huge part of it is just about how much she fucking hated her dad. Well, to be tr to be honest, I, I could imagine that quite well because I, I do yeah. not could think of Creed uh, as a, a great father figure. <laughs> because of all his bad habits point. like he's like smoking all the time he's drinking yeah. he hasn't got that much sleep he puts all his effort into the army i cannot yeah. think that he is like that much of a uh, of a lovable father who spends his yeah, time with his daughter yeah, yeah that, that's kind of the whole plot of her character is just yeah. daddy issues <laughs> which is fair i guess um, in, yeah. at the start, you said you had got uh, you have got uh, two events. Like that was um, you started oh, with yes. Everest Den, which which is the second one. Uh, the the new chaos god Vashtar. I feel like we're gonna mm. see. A, so I think that he is going to become the god for the Dark Mechanicum, yes. and I think there's a possibility that Part Rabble becomes his demon primarch because at the moment Parabo is a demon primarch of chaos undivided exactly and i think that this guy would be a good fit for him yeah i feel like vastor is like the right fit for him so i think maybe we might see Parabo's return as a major character in the form of vastor's storyline yeah 
chill just to to get around up we have got like Vestra the Archifane is like an important he's like a half demon half I don't know dark mechanicum acolyte or something like that uh well something like that I guess it's kind of just a half machine half demon god yeah exactly and um he's a figure which uh, was presented uh, during the Arcs of Ohm campaign um, yeah. he, he got in contact with Abaddon and said like um, I've got um, an interesting yeah, solution to, to your problems to, to, to get <laughs> the Imperium down for good and yeah. um, Abaddon said well okay show it to me and um, the whole point about the Arcs of Ohm campaign is that they that there's a weapon of uh, crazy uh, proportions which can do crazy stuff and Abaddon wants to get his hands on it and Vashtor is uh, yeah. is the one who can present him with the means to do so and uh, yeah. they have to, to collect uh, certain elements of uh, a key and um, these elements um, are the ones which are um, where the Arcs of Ohm are going for so that the traitors can get their hands on these these elements. And yeah. during the last campaign book, they um, are able to to complement, um, to complete all the elements and to to uh, create this this key, and uh, then escape before the the task force of the Imperial Might, which is combined of the Lion, Ezreal, Dark Angels forces, uh, Blood Angels forces, Dante, and so on and so on. And mm -hmm. so now I think the next big thing it, which is going to happen is that Abaddon and Vashtor are going to, to open the vault or whatever uh, they need the key for to, to get their hands on this weapon. And yeah. uh, Vashtor claims that he wants to... to um, to to ascend to uh, a demon god so he's already like half yeah. demon half because uh, he is technically only like demigod at this point isn't yes. he? he's not like exactly a full chaos god in yeah. the in the pantheon like he could be uh, compared to uh, like a demon prince or uh, like a demon primarch yeah. and to about your point that Perth, like Perthre we know that Perthrebo is also um, a demon prince, demon primarch, but uh, like you said, he is uh, a follower of Chaos Undivided. So he hasn't uh, committed himself to one Chaos intent, uh, yeah. one Chaos God, but uh, he said, no, I'm I'm going to go to general Chaos altogether. Yeah. Just as a concept. Yeah. Explain and, all of it. <laughs> It's either this solution, which you presented us, that he's going to be like the, if Vester should succeed in becoming yeah. a fifth um, demon god, um, then it's either that Perthrebo is going to become his acolyte, so his, uh, his committed demon primarch, or it's the other way around, um, not that Perthrebo is going to be, uh, become a, a demon god, but that he despises Vashtar because like yeah. machines and uh, Vashtar is like nowadays the, the lord of the soul forges like where all of the demonic uh, machines are going to be constructed like a uh, lord yeah. of skulls and what, whatever they are called and um, I can also think that uh, Pethrebo is like um, he wants to be like the, the one 
who is connected to all of like uh, tech heresy and so on and so on. Yeah, like that's this is the Arsenal trying to steal my job. Yeah, exactly. So that <laughs> Vester is uh, the one which Pethro hates, which he wants to to um, also possible, eliminate. Yeah. So maybe that could be good though. You'd end up with this like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind yeah, of thing. I, I also you could just, end up with Porter Abel playing for the good guys again for a bit. Yeah, I also just thought in that instant that it could be a nice prediction that uh, Pethrero is going to uh, get an active role because he's going to combat uh, Abaddon and uh, Vestor. That would to, be quite to, cool because I feel to, like Porter Abel is the kind of guy that we need for that situation because this is like. It's meant to be this unnamed ultimate weapon thing, right? And I feel like if you're going to defend against some unknown ultimate weapon, you need someone who is amazing at building defenses. And I think Porter Abel or Dorn are your guys. And yeah. I feel like Porter Abel's the one we've got more chance of finding. <laughs> but I would not go so far that uh, you said, like, you're an enemy of my enemies, my friends, that... Pethrero was going to be an ally of the Imperium because... <laughs> oh, I don't think he's going to like actively become an ally, but yeah. like... I think it's like it he's like a third party. beneficial to the good guys. Exactly, like he's like a third party faction. And yeah. in my prediction, Vashtor isn't going to succeed because it would be too much of a great thing to happen in Warmer 40k to, to actually... Like, we've got a reawakening yeah. of, of Primarchs nowadays, but that is not a, as a big of a fact as to, to get a fifth Chaos God. Right? Hmm. At least in, in, in my well, opinion. I think that bringing in a fifth Chaos God doesn't necessarily add very much, right? Because if he's a newborn God, it doesn't give him the same power as all the others. It just puts him in a similar standing. Mm. So it would still take time for him to, like, through worship, to gain power, to be able to do the similar things to the rest of them. All it would really do is justify him having acolytes, like the Dark Mechanicum worshipping him. Yeah, but only also, really makes sense if he becomes a full god. You know? it, uh, yeah, but it, I think, like, the. the gods which we already have got they also represent like the sins of humanity like a corn is like for bloodlust murderous um, intent and so on and so on uh, siege is like for for the quest for knowledge to get wisdom for scheming exactly scheming slanish is like for for um the, the pleasure of uh of yeah getting happy Exactly, and so on and so on. And Nurgle is just for like being ill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Vestor isn't like that. If he gets to be um, a, a fifth Chaos God, like which, what, what traits should he represent? Oh, Vastor is a engineering and innovation, or invention and innovation. But it's that's, you humanity's could... constant drive for progression is the problem there. But couldn't you also connect these traits to uh, Zeech? No, Zeech isn't uh, isn't technically anything to do with the quest for knowledge. Zeech is a subterfuge, kind of underhanded tactics, and the god of magic. But yeah, okay. knowledge and innovation are not technically the same thing. Uh, so. 
obviously, like, humanity is, is often summed up by philosophers and stuff as having two things that they cannot avoid. It is the need for survival and the need for progression. And I think that Vashtor is designed for this, like, need for progression as, like, what that makes him. So it said that he, or I believe, originally... The I guess the demon that started gaining power in this way was born during the Dark Age of Technology. Mm. That's when Vashtor first kind of came into being. Uh, because humanity and stuff made so many ridiculous advancements so quickly. Yeah, um, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So I think that that's that's the ideal behind him as a as a god. I guess yes. that's the role he fills in the area. But a lot of a lot of the gods are like they're not based on things that humanity does necessarily as much as just things that are part of the human condition. Just the fact that there is humanity means these things will occur. The fact yeah. that there is humanity means people will get sick and people will die. It also means some people will not control their desires and will fall too far into them. It also means that people will want for power and will be underhanded and will, you know, sacrifice others' well-being to gain that power. And it also means people will be aggressive and violent and, you know, again, fight for power. But I guess the fifth part of this nowadays would be just the fact that there are humans means that humans are going to try and advance themselves. They're yeah. going to try and progress their civilization and stuff. And I suppose that's where Vastor comes in. Yeah. Yeah, I get Which is why point. I think he fits well with Parabo. But like you're saying, he just as easily could be an enemy for all the same reasons that he could yes. be an ally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the last point I would make to it uh, that it could also be distressing to the balance of of the chaos gods. Like we have got the four gods, and each one acts to a counterpoint to to one of the others. Like we have got corn yeah. um, cannot work with uh, uh, with each Slanesh cannot work with Nurgle, and so on and yeah. so on. So. Yeah, no, so these, these are the combinations they aren't anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a fifth god could be distressing to their balance, which they have got. And also, I think it's interestingly enough when I think about it that uh, Abaddon, well, Abaddon is not a fan of chaos itself. Like he uses it like as a tool. But yeah. um, like what he says during the Siege of Terror also applies for... Um, to to his nature nowadays, he's like the the chosen of of chaos, but he isn't that great a fan that that much of a great fan of of chaos itself because he knows already what it can do to to um, his allies and has seen it in an active service to do so. Like he has seen the demon primarchs and um, acknowledged that they are not um, masters of of their self-interest anymore, but yeah. rather slaves to, to their chaotic God. And yeah. I think it's interesting that um, Abaddon still supports Vestor in his um, aim to, to, to become a chaos God. But it could also be because of this fact that he supports him, because he wants also to, to um, 
put the stress on on the chaos gods and their balance to make them weaker altogether. Yeah, like he's just using him yeah. as an end to Amin kind of hang. Or Amin yeah. an end, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very possible, yeah. Uh, right, we have been at this for like two hours now, yeah. so I think I'm going to need to uh, to round it out for today. And I yeah. think this is a conversation we should continue next time. Yeah. Yeah, sound good to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page. Ideal. I look forward to it. But thank you for watching, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>